there's a lot here. We're not going to cover. Uh, I'd like to get to 12, actually. I don't know if we'll, we'll get that far, or even 10. 10 sounds good. Um, kind of a little bit of a review, but, in, but, but before that, I, I, as I, I want to keep reinforcing that this is uh, wisdom literature. This isn't like Torah, uh, which is mainly instructional. Uh, all right. Um, it is instructional. Let me back up. But it's a different type of instruction. And I've been doing some reading on this, and I am still kind of working through some of it. But Torah, which means the teaching, really consisted a lot of what you need to do or should do or required to do and what you better not do, do's and don'ts, essentially. That, that's really Torah. And it, it's interesting to me because Paul, in a lot of his letters, writes in the same way, if you think about it. A lot of it is very uh, hands-on type of instruction. Um, Paul was a rabbi. Paul was probably of the Sadducees, excuse me, Sanhedrin. If not, he was a part, part of that inner circle type of group. Um, he was a Pharisee. When I said Sadducees, I was mistaken. He was a Pharisee. So Pharisees were very much about the law, Torah. What's right, what's wrong. What you do, what you don't do. And his letters read that way. Um, James, on the other hand, James, the brother of Jesus, or if you must, the half-brother of Jesus, but nonetheless, um, he, he writes more along the lines of the Proverbs, which is also wisdom literature. And he, he writes in a way that provokes you to think. The Psalms are also considered wisdom literature, uh, and they're written in a way that is intended to pr provoke you to think through. Um, even the Gospels, the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, while it's very narrative in its writing, it also is it's an invitation to reflect upon Jesus and his ministry, which was in many ways so counter to Torah and what that really meant. Um, in fact, one, one teacher said it was his, he's amazed that Jesus did so many things on the Sabbath, which would, in the Jewish mind, particularly the Pharisaical mind, would violate the Sabbath. And he, he's speculating, and of course he's being funny, but he said it's as if Jesus laid around in a hammock all week in the Galilee and then waited for sundown on Friday and then went to work, you know, uh, you know purposely. Um, John is an invitation to give some great 
really, particularly in the beginning, some incredible theological reflection uh, of who Jesus is and the nature of who he is. And, you know, with the, with the prologue, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And um, this book is the same in that regard. It's, it's intended to provoke you to think. And it's intended, and if you read it like you do Torah, you can't wait to get to the end of the book and realize that all things work together and everything's fine and don't worry about it and God's going to take care of you, so love God and all that. Uh, and so this is really intended more to be a journey uh, of kind of dealing with the different circumstances of life that are not clear and cut. They're not nicely tied together. They, they go beyond our understanding because really I think biblical wisdom is really a function of our character and I think a lot of our character is informed by our behavior. So that takes us where? Torah. Or even to a lot of Paul's letters. Uh, it's a function of character, but it's also a function of experience. Those two, not separate, but really coming together. Because you can be of horrible character and have a lot of experience, and you, all you do is just make a mess of things. And a lot of people have. Um, but, but biblical wisdom, again, character and experience, and it, it, it involves someone who has some know-how about things. Uh, skills, observation, even uh, uh, contemplation and experience uh, and discernment all really play into this. And so that's, that is what I believe what Solomon is, is attempting to draw out. Uh, for us and again as I mentioned last week when you have these questions in chapter 6 verse 12 for says for who knows what is good for man in life and all the days of his vain life uh, which he passes like a shadow um, Mary and the you have Holman tonight right does it say vain or or futile life in uh, chapter 6 verse 12 futile life NIV says 612. Meaningless. And you know I'm going to go to the ESV corner over here. Vain. Okay. Um, so interesting that he, he brings these things up. The vain life of which he passes like a shadow. Who can tell a man what will happen after him under the sun? Um, and this whole idea of not knowing the future, which, you know, I've met a lot of Christians who think they really know the future. Now, we do know the future to some degree, do we not? We know the general outcome, um, but we don't know when. And we know that, well, I don't even think the general outcome, we know the the the. The, the final outcome, we just don't know how those pieces are really going to come together, although a lot of people think they do. Um, your mileage may vary on that one. Uh, so, but, but he goes on here, and, he, and I did some more reading on this, so I thought this was interesting. He says, the good man is better than precious ointment. The day of death 
is uh, uh, than the day of one's birth. So in, in chapter 7, he shifts from kind of these almost depressing observations to, well, some of them are, in fact, very depressing. Not all of them are, though, of course. But he shifts away from these observations, and now he's writing more in the form of a proverb. Because this, chapter 7 would fit in very well in, in you know, the 31 Proverbs that we have. Um, so a good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the days of one's birth. Better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. So really, these two verses, they really do come together. Um, now, is Solomon really saying that death is preferable to life? Pat says no. He's thinking more on being closer to God. But uh, yeah, but I, I think I think, you know, as I you know, I couldn't help but think of Jack when I, you know, today as I was studying this. Um, and I think with the death of a loved one, it really causes us to pause and to really to kind of think through things. I, you know, when, when a baby is born, I mean, I think that somewhat causes us to pause, but I think there's so much happiness that you just, you know, you're, you're just enjoying the moment. You're enjoying the moment and you don't, you don't, you don't reflect deeply. Uh, and I think there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying the moment. I think, I think God has provided these things for us. But I think even in that, we, I think it's helpful for us to recognize that God desires, us, desires for us to interact with different situations, probably in different ways. Um, but I don't think he's saying that death is preferable to life and, 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 uh, or even that choosing death is, is wise, but... But it's, it's, you've got a comparison going on here. Now, is precious ointment bad? Or perfume? What I don't know, some of your... Um, perfume. Fine perfume. So fine perfume is not bad. I think with some people it's preferable. <laughs> Cousin Jim just plugged his nose, but... <laughs> I mean, again, we're talking the Middle East, and it's hot, and they didn't shower every day. So, um, so in one respect, to to try to interpret the day of death better uh, than the than the day of one's birth, or you know, what's better, the day of death or the uh, the day of one's birth. Um, Comparing it to the good name is better than precious ointment. So how, how important it is that we live. We talked about this, at, I think, at length last week, where to have a good name and, and to be of someone who has a good reputation. Um, but um, even those things that are good, there are there always is something that is better. 
Does that make sense? That's kind of what he's getting at. And, and to, not, to not necessarily reject the good, although sometimes I think the, the, the enemy, the, the strongest enemy of the best is the good, because we'll settle for something rather than to pursue the very best of what God has. And of course, my mind is just raging with the Sears catalog. There we go. Couldn't have said it better myself, okay, or best. Uh, he bested me on that one, but uh, anyway. But um, Mo Betta. We, I didn't, we didn't get that catalog. <laughs> and let's, let's, let's leave that one. <laughs> I never went to a Piggly Wiggly. I've never gone to a Piggly Wiggly. They still exist in the south. Of course they do. Um, no, that's, 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 no, it's fine. Uh, no, no, it's fine. Um, so it's important to remember the context here. And again, verse 11, verse 12 of chapter 6, since there are many things that increase vanity, how is man the better? So he's asking the question too, how is man the better? Um, and I did touch on this last week, but I think it's maybe important, and I'd kind of like to hear your thoughts on this. The balance between the pursuit of pleasure, the pursuit of happiness, we've got it in what? Is it in our, is it the Constitution? Or the, I think it's the Constitution. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Um, the preamble. Yeah, that was more better, by the way. Yeah. Um, thank you. Um, but what is, uh, what really grows us and matures us? I think our struggles do. And facing the realities of life. I, I mean, nobody here, my last church, but I've known full-grown adults that were, had the maturity level of a 20-something or a teenager. Um, and I've known young adults that had the maturity of a 60, 70-year-old. And, and it, it's, some of it has to do, again, because I think, I think we talked about this at the very beginning, right? We're talking about wisdom and knowledge. I think maturity uh, plays into that. Matter of fact, there's a book I've got to get to. This I'm taking a semester off, so all I want to do is read and spray paint windows. Anyway, long story about that. But anyway... Um, um, no, no, I just want to be able to figure out how I'm going to fit it all in. I'm trying to use some wisdom here. Uh, but, uh, but there's one book that I, that I really want to, because I've got a holding pattern, like, I'm serious. Like this. But there's a book that talks about, it equates spiritual maturity with mental and emotional maturity. And I think the guy's on, I haven't even read the preamble 
forward, actually. I haven't read the forward of the book. That was Mo better anyway. But I haven't read the, the, uh, um, the beginning of the book. But I think just by the title, this guy's on to something. Because um, and sometimes I wonder. Now, this is going to be heretical. But I'll just let those tips fly. Thanks. Because, because I've known some, because some people that, you know, I, they, they want to determine their and others' spiritual maturity based on how much Bible they know. And it makes sense. But is it right? Even Satan knows the word of God. And I, I told you about, you know, the, my former co-worker who went to Bible college and he got his money's worth and then some. He knew everything. Just ask him, right? But he, he came back arrogant and pride, prideful. He didn't, he didn't strike me as someone who loved the Lord, although we claimed he did. Now, I'm sure he did, but his, his container was too small to understand his own immaturity. Does that make sense? I mean, he was ignorant of the fact of what a. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> well, you're really a help. Come up here and sit next to me. No, I'm kidding. But uh, you're right. You know, he was ignorant of that. Um, of how, and of how difficult he was even to be around. Um, and, but maturity takes time. Doesn't it? But also, I think maturity is an act of stewardship. What do I mean by that? What are you think? What are you thinking when I say that? Like, what is Mike? What is Mike talking about? Well, besides that, is maturity an act of stewardship? I think it is. Any thoughts? Yeah. What are you going to do with what you've been given? Exactly. And, and I'm one of those overachiever types, so I get mad anytime I never I don't get a full on A. Um, a minus isn't good enough for me anyway. But um, yeah, but I you know so you don't want to redeeming the time. And I forgot to write this down because this snuck in and out of my brain. Paul is. I, is one of his letters, I want to say 2 Corinthians, but I'm not sure. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Walk circumspectly is what he says right before that. It's starting to come back to me. Walk circumspectly, uh, I think something to do with not as the Gentiles, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You, uh, circumspectly means you walk in this parabolic way to avoid the pitfalls of life. That's, that's almost like the illustration. You know, I saw on the news briefly, uh, there was a sinkhole. Well, it wasn't a hole. It was more like a rectangle. But it took out a whole piece of high, somewhere in Southern California. Yeah, two cars went in. California is a dangerous place to live. Never moved back. But anyway, um, and every single, we're all from, <laughs> tonight, every single one of us. <laughs> You're from California. <laughs> I can't help it that you don't get 
cold. But so, um, yeah, exactly. But but it wasn't a whole, it was like a rectangle. It wasn't a hole. But but this idea and two cars drove right into the thing. And everybody got out. Thank God for that. But they weren't being circumspectly. Well, of course, they're driving down the road. They don't, you don't expect to. I get it, right? But that's an illustration is that you walk around the perimeter of that thing. And um, wisdom, it takes time, and it comes with experience if you rightly steward that experience. Um, so obviously, as one grows older, that is, when we get closer to our own deaths, all other things being equal, right, holy, and good, then we become wiser as well. Hopefully. The problem, in, and problem is in this culture, when you turn 65, they want you just to get out of the way. You know, um, because they, no they, they no longer think you're valuable. Now, I'm going to counter that if we have time tonight because I think there's, there's something to consider with turning 65 and getting out of the way. But I don't know if we'll get there. Um, but I'll try. So, again, so you, you normally have a, more of an opportunity to learn wisdom and to give because I think, I think wisdom really takes time to really sit and give thought and reflection to. I went to a pastor's meeting today, and it was actually a good one. I can't believe it. But anyway, um, it's being redeemed. And I never thought I would do this in a Southern Baptist setting. We did something called Lectio Divina. Okay. Basically, you read, and then you sometimes you'll pick out like a word out of a passage. You read a scripture passage. This can be done in a group setting or this can be done individually. So either or. But every, if it's a group, then it would be everyone. All right. We did it on Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go therefore, Jesus said, go therefore, teach. And, and so it was pick a word or a phrase. And, and so I'm in a room with seven or eight or nine or 20 other different guys. And everybody picked, a couple of them picked duplicates, right? But everybody was asked what word that, that stuck out to them. In other words, what stuck out to you? And I ask that every once in a while because I'm like, okay, what stuck out to you? Because it's possible, like in this type of an exercise, that those things that are sticking out to you as you read the Bible might be what the Spirit is attempting to draw attention to. So, and, and we did it like three different times. He read it for us very slowly, three different times. Um, and for me, the first time, okay, the, it, Jesus said, go therefore, right? So the first phrase that stuck out to me was Jesus said. And, um, and then the second time he read it was, go ye therefore teach all nations. But, um, uh, the phrase, in heaven, oh, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So in heaven and on earth was the phrase that stuck out to me the second time. And what that really meant, because you had the spiritual and the physical. And um, 
or as this guy, this guy's really, Rob, you guys, we weren't here. Um, but when Rob, Rob was the one leading this. You guys remember Rob came and spoke, okay? Um, maybe for if we up his fee, we'll get him to come back. I'm kidding, but anyway, I'm sure he'd love to come back. But um, we, we were talking about some of this because it's a discipleship and spiritual formation type of uh, gathering class for the next several months, and I'm going to be teaching part of it on spiritual formation. But he says, yeah, I want you to do it because of your background. He goes, I'm more of a meat and potato guy, right? And, and he goes, and, he goes, and this stuff, what I want you to teach on is more of poetry and butterflies, right? And, and he says, and I need some of that. And so it was funny because I referred back to that conversation. In heaven is poetry and butterflies, the spiritual. On earth is the meat and potatoes, and they're both necessary. Right, and then the last one that I came up with, I can't believe I'm remembering this. Maybe it's it's good for me to recite this, but um, whatsoever I've commanded, teaching them whatsoever I've commanded, and how how that one uh, spoke to me as well uh, as that 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 which we teach should be that which comes to us from the Spirit. Now, that's not, not, that's not just on me, but that's on all of us. But that, required, we, that took 35, 40 minutes. Two verses. But it was time, I thought, well spent. I think I, I would really, well, it'd be, I think it'd be fun to do that some Sunday morning. Um, you may get mixed reviews, but again, as I've said to you in a while, I, 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 we, we have a good group that we could do that type, more of a midrashic type of discussion. So you wouldn't have to listen to me all the time. Which <laughs> Larry's thinking, my prayers are about to get answered. <laughs> um, but, uh, of course. So, but, and, and, but again, I, I said all that to say this is, is, is how we steward those opportunities that we have. And, and, the, and, and you know, studying the Bible, and yes, I, I'm still going to teach the Bible, and yes, it's important to read the Bible. I read this for fun sometimes. And there are some Sunday, or even when I'm trying to finish up on a Saturday night, and I get so involved in reading the Bible, I have no idea. I mean, I'll read five, six, seven chapters, which is a lot for me, a lot for me. And you guys don't even hear any of that on a Sunday morning. But, but I, I get in, you know, I, I, I want to immerse myself in the word of God, but also knowing that our life is the incredible laboratory experience and experiments that God wants to give each and every one of us. And allow the experiences of life to teach us. Yes, it's tempered by the word. And yes, it's going to be subjective. And yes, some of what you learn from the Lord or that you believe you learn from the Lord may be different than what I'm getting. So who's right? I'm the pastor, so I am? Mary said no, but we'll, we'll talk later, honey. But, uh, um, you know, so it... What's, what's that? 
You know, I might not. Just for that. I might not edit you out. Just Okay. Uh, especially Larry. Anyway. Um, yeah, well, the Wi-Fi? The Wi-Fi filter. Well, there's a reason why Wednesday nights are on in the private portal, and you have to have a password. You guys know the password, right? W-E... Is it Wednesday or W-E-D night? Anyway, or it's one of them. Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday night, or it's all lowercase. Anyway, they're in there. And I'm, by the way, I'm all caught up for a change. Uh, so, and I talked about this last week. The problem with some of this is that some, we are a pleasure-driven culture, aren't we? We want to have fun. We want to enjoy ourselves. Um, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. It's in our legal document, our founding legal documents. And so, um, but the wisdom literature, uh, particularly the Psalms, but a lot, we've seen a lot of it here in Ecclesiastes. It invites us in to experience the sadness of life. The lamentations, another one. Like I said, I, that one Easter we were on the pandemic, I read the whole book in, early in the morning. I think you weren't even up yet when I read it, you know. And uh, I was like, well, we're going to have a fun day today. But, anyway, but, but uh, you know, but I, that's what I was feeling. But what's interesting, again, about Lamentations is right in the middle of it is, is the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So it, it, it you know, you, you kind of like you come up, you hit the middle of the book and you drop back down, but you, at least you ascend to that place of the faithfulness of God and have that to carry you on the downward slope, which is a lot, of, lot like life, isn't it? Life, that uphill and the struggle and you end up recognizing God's faithfulness and only for him to carry you on the downhill. Um, so, verse 5 and 6, I think I've, we've looked at, again, I think 1 through 4 is better to look at almost... Um, as a whole and, and just, you know, take some observations from it rather than get, well, the Hebrew says this, but I'm horrible at Hebrew. Matter of fact, I don't even do Hebrew. It's just, it's a hard language. Um, I had somebody really mad at me one time because I didn't want to study Hebrew, but anyway. Um, she didn't even know English, so. <laughs> and it was her first, it was her first language. Um, anyway. God bless you, dear. Anyway. Um, it is better, verse 5, it is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of the fools. The song of the fools, or uh, um, and that refers to a kind of like a happy song. For the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is laughter of the fool. This is also vanity. What do you think about that? 
do you think about that? Take the two verses together again, five and six. The fool will laugh at your rebuke, and they do. But this is also the fool who wants to laugh everything off. I notice I'll do that at times, when I, especially when I'm around people I don't know, so you don't know how to play the card. You know what I mean? You'll tell them something, and then it's like, ugh. Maybe I shouldn't have said that to begin with, but hey, that's kind of fun, you know. But yeah, um, and, and so it's what, what he's doing, he's contrasting a, a wise person who is willing to rebuke or correct another than play me another song, Mr. Piano Man. Play me a song tonight for we're all in the mood for a melody and you got us feeling all right. Billy Joel, right? Yeah. Okay, it just kind of came to me. It's not my notes, but anyway, it was there. The thing is about music is music is one of those forms of communication. I don't know if, you, if they ever, in, in your education classes, that they ever touched on this with you, Bill. But music, and so you should have sang to your class, is what I'm trying to say. But music is one of those forms of communication that, we don't really have a filter to block it out. There's some, I don't, you know, Clay, you, I don't know if you know anything about this in, in your background, uh, but it's almost like a neurological type of thing that we don't have a good filter to block out music. Um, well, think of all the jingles that you, and I've, I've shared this with you before, all the all this TV commercial jingles. My, one of my favorites is Ajax is whiter, stronger than dirt, which I changed it to someone's name who was dumber than dirt. But anyway, um, he didn't like that. It was the guy who went to Bible college. But anyway, um, um, no. <laughs> Almond joys have nuts. Mounds don't, right? Uh, sometimes I feel like a nut. Sometimes I don't. Those, those you know, they, they're with you. Um, I was just thinking that one, the Territon commercial. Yeah, with the black eye. Yeah. My, yeah, my pastor's uh, son used to smoke Territon. So his younger brother, who taught me to smoke, decided he would, we would smoke Territon too. So anyway, so those were my first cigarettes. Anyway, um, yeah. Yeah, Territon. But then I went to Lucky Strikes. Don't ask me why, but... I don't, that one I don't remember. Well, you're on a roll tonight. <laughs> I know. What'd you have for dinner? I'll take two of what he's having. Yeah. Um, so, but so it's 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 better to hear a rebuke rather than someone who wants to just make merriment. I like that word, merriment of things. And, and it says, for the crackling of the thorns is under a pot, so is the laughter of a fool. What is the crackling of the thorns? Think of the illustration. What is it talking about? Crackling of the thorns under a pot. 
talking about, at least I, is when you use thorns as kindling. And they'll crackle and make all kinds of noise, right? But kindling doesn't put off a whole lot of heat. It just burns up real fast. And, you know, if you don't have anything of substance for the flame to grab a hold of, you're going to have to go out and get some more kindling. Start again. And, and so it's using that expression because the pot's not going to boil under a, under a little fire of thorns. It'll just crackle and the thorns will crackle and that'll be the end of it. And he says, so is the laughter of the fool. Using the, the illustration of, it's just noise that, that is empty, passing, and not necessarily going to amount to a whole lot of anything. I shouldn't ask this question. And don't answer it. How's that? I know you guys have somebody in your life that resembles us. See, I won't form it in a question. How's that? I know that everybody has somebody in their life that they, you believe that resembles us. You know, and it's... It's like everything they say, you've got to take with a grain of salt. You know, I, and, you know, some people I know is like, I'll listen out of politeness, hopefully converse with them to try to hopefully shed some light. But most of what they say is really crackling under a pot. Um, and I, I think Jesus talked about this when he talked about now casting your pearls before swine. And of course, he's speaking to Jews and not casting your pearls, which they didn't value pearls, by the way. Jews didn't. Uh, the Gentiles did. So because of that, they would trade in them, but they really not, didn't see any value in them. Um before swine, which represents everything that's unclean. So, um, it says, Surely oppression destroys a wise man's reason, and a bribe debases the heart. So, there was a, a, a read, there's some disagreement about whether this word oppression actually means, in the Hebrew, actually means and should be translated oppression, although I think every translation uh, in verse 7, I think it says oppression. I think the ESV does, and the Holman does, and I, don't, I didn't look up the NIV. Um, contortion? Extortion. Okay, that changes the... Okay, I'm glad it wasn't contortion. Um, NIV, okay. Um, I think oppression is probably consistent. With, with what the word, how the word should be translated. Now, you, you think about this. Um, surely oppression destroys a ran, wise man's reason. I saw, um, what's the guy's name? Zelensky. Just I'm busy. I didn't have time to sit in front of it. He was, was it this morning or yesterday that he was on TV for a bit? 
and he's making some kind of appeal. Um, he's president of a, a country that's severely being oppressed. And, and yet, you know, I, by the grace of God, they're, they're holding it together. And you've you got to admire their resolve. You really do. And, and they are, they're, they're, they're giving it to the Russians. Um, in fact, when he addressed Congress, that's, that's what motivated me. It's like, man, we've got to send some more money over there. And, and um, be, you know, because we hadn't done it in a while. Um, but it can be that oppression can be so great that it destroys a wise man's reason. I'm thinking of, I think it was Auschwitz, where the rabbis were telling the people who were about to be gassed that they were dying as an atonement for the sins of their persecutors and I just thought that that's really hard for me to stomach that's like Jim Jones Kool-Aid but I mean and and perhaps that was the only sense of solace that they were able to provide the people who were about to be executed um But I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, boy, that, there's the, that's, the oppression destroys a wise man's reason. Because a lot of rabbis actually are pretty wise men. They do a lot of study. They do a lot of consideration. They do, again, the midrash. Ten Jews, twelve different opinions. Um, but when oppression comes, that destroys that. But a bribe debases the heart. Um, whether... And this word debased could also uh, be translated destroys. A bribe destroys the heart. And bribes come in many different forms, don't they? They come in many different forms. And sometimes they're more subtle. And sometimes, and I, I've seen it in, in the work environment, kind of this do this or else. Um, but it destroys the heart when you take a bribe because basically you're, you've just acknowledges your, third, your own personal 30 pieces of silver. And I think we all have it. That's, that's the problem. I think we all have it. We all have, we all have, every, what was the saying? Every man has a price? Is that it, Larry? Just, <laughs> Because they're on a roll, but anyway, but yeah, every every person has a price, and and to to be oppressed, to lose your reason to the point to where you're finally going to just give up. I think it's it's, it's a difficult place to be in. A um, couple more verses, and we're done um, tonight. The end of a thing is better than the beginning, and the patient in the spirit. The patient, I'm sorry, the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Do not be hasty in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. 
Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Remember what I said? I don't even remember what I said. Um, earlier about when you're 65 and they just want to farm you out to pastor, pasture, not pastor. Right. And I think here's the, the, the counter to that. Not so much a counter, but, but it's uh, um, how we as older people would consider this. Um, and it says, do not say, verse 10, why were the former days better than these? For you did not inquire wisely concerning this. Um, and this reminiscing of the good old days, of the past. I used to, I remember one guy, and he, he would go on and on and on and on and just finally almost put me to sleep of telling me all the great and wonderful things he did back in the Jesus movement. And it was fine, and especially after I heard the same stories for the third or fourth time, right? Um, and it was fine to hear those, but I always, it always begged the question in me, well, what are you doing today? What are you doing today? Because um, your life isn't over. Now, have things radically changed since we were young? I think in a lot of ways, but I also think in some ways, yes. I, I think sometimes we over-exaggerate that. I know, okay, and classic example on the front page of the Ben Bulletin. Was it yesterday? the new governor of the state. And she's being sworn in. Now, I didn't look to see if she had her hand on a Bible or not. I know that she says something about going to church in her campaign, so I can imagine what church it is. Because who's standing next to her if she's being sworn in? Her wife. And I thought, okay, let's go back to 1976. I never thought I would see that back then. I never thought I would see the day. Uh, in high school, if, if someone thought you were gay, that was like the worst thing to call someone, and you would get your kicked. It was, and, and, and now it's so blatant. Yeah, yeah. So and now it's so blatant, okay, I think it's wrong. I can't condone that lifestyle. But that view and $2.75 gets me a small coffee at Sister's Coffee. It's a small coffee. And uh, yeah, in other words, they don't care what I think. Was she legally elected? I believe she was. And she only got 47 point something percent of the vote, but nonetheless. 
He has to know what he's doing. He has to know what he's doing. But see, I think the point is here is that we can complain. I want to use another word, but I'll say complain. We can complain to high heaven about all this stuff. We can complain about everything that is so different and therefore foreign to our understanding of life as we knew it. And we can complain and complain and complain and complain. And I've been around people who complain and complain and complain and complain. And you know what it does? You know what it do- all that complaining does? If I'm lucky. It doesn't do a thing. That was good, Bill. <laughs> he said it makes me complain about the complainer. Okay, I guess I'm silenced. <laughs> Bill, do you want to close in prayer? No. Um, <laughs> but so we can complain or we can compliment or simply Play the heart, that's the heart, the hand, excuse me, play the hand that's dealt you and trust God and, and say, well, what, what can I do as a Christian who wants to further the kingdom of God in this environment? What can I do? And trust me, complaining about it isn't the answer. Whining about it on Facebook isn't the answer. Um, and... The less I'm on Facebook, the happier I am. So I don't complain about the complainers. Well, you should. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but but so that's the thing. You know, and, and I've shared this with you before, I believe, but I talked to a friend of mine, and he's about 10 years older than I am. And those are the guys that I'm really paying attention to at this stage of the game. Um, because they're my future. And this guy is probably, and we, we talked for a while, and he's been in pastoral ministry. He's not now. Uh, and after listening to him for a while, I said, so basically what you're telling me is that you are more equipped than you ever have been in your life to pastor a church and nobody cares. And he said, yep, that's basically it. Which was a tragedy to me. Because, and this was probably five years ago, so he was 70 then. And a seven year old doesn't really want to go out and plant a church. You know, I think doing it at. No, you don't want, yeah, you know, you don't want a 65 year old worship leader. I get it, but you're stuck with one. But uh, um, it's the way it is. What? It's the way it is. Um, but it's a matter of rather than to complain about the good old days, why were the former days better than these? Were they? Were the former days better than these? 